Lord Chapel, can we give Jesus our highest praise today? God, we magnify you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, give somebody a high five today as you're seated. Tell them you're so excited to see them today. Come on, 11:15. You guys have some energy today. Who's happy to be in the room today? Come on, everybody. Man, I'll tell you, summer has been so exciting. Uh, I know around the chapel, it's been awesome. We had an incredible VBS, all of our locations. Kids giving their lives to Jesus. It's been so so crazy to see all the different volunteers that jumped in. We even had NASA involved at VBS. You guys know we had NASA involved at VBS. And so they came, and there was like an astronaut here dressed up, people taking pictures with him. I mean, it was was a really fun event. And last week, if you missed it, I'm telling you right now, you got to go back. How many know those young communicators did so well? Come on, can you give it up for those young communicators last week? So good. And I'm thankful to be in a church with young leaders, and um, I see the gray hairs on my head, and I'm like, yes, Jesus, send us young leaders, but... Man, I'm so thankful for this church and all that God's doing in life for this church. I know we talked about emotion conferences coming up, and it is such an incredible, incredible way to end July for our students. In fact, I equate it to it's our it's our summer youth camp, okay? If you've ever been in youth camp, I know it's like an old term. I feel like you don't do youth camp anymore, but this is like our youth camp. And so this is a great opportunity to send students. If you haven't registered, register, be a part of that. I feel like God's going to really just do some amazing things in the life of our students. And then one thing that I'm just so, so excited and anticipating for myself. This is how we end our summer. I've been talking to people about this personally. I love this so much for for our church. I'm just so excited. And that is 21 days of prayer in August. And I'll tell you, this is going to be an incredible time. We had an, an outstanding January where people just came. It's Monday through Friday, 7 a.m., so it's early in the morning. I know that 7 a.m., I know it's early, but we do it in person. We also do it online, but it's so great to be in person. And then Saturdays, we let you sleep in for a little bit. It's at 9 a.m. Um, but I'll tell you this, this is really the mantra. We want prayer to be our first response and not our last resort. So August 6th. We're going to begin. You don't want to miss that. And just like you heard from our team, it is serve day this Saturday right now. In fact, you can even see in the back, there is a booth set up as you walk in. And so you can grab your t-shirt right after the service, grab the QR code. And when you do, it's going to lead you to a registration page. It's going to look like this. Gives you a chance to actually choose a project. And we've we've um, highlighted a few things today. We have our different campuses are going to be in different colors. So if you're looking for something in Midlothian, it's going to be in that blue color. And then we have some that don't have uh, a graphic like that on it. But we have some large projects that if you want to be a part of, there's some small projects, some large projects. Uh, a couple of them are going to be, we're going to be cleaning up in Scott's Edition, which is great. We did that last year. It was so cool to connect with the community. And one of the ones we're doing this year that's brand new is we're creating care gift bags, okay, um, for the DOC Department of Corrections facility. We're going to do seven to 8,000 gift bags. Come on. How awesome is that? Just care. I'll tell you, you, you may not know this, but every single Sunday, and I look in the camera and say, every Sunday we get to stream into 42 state prisons. I want you to know we are so thankful that we get to do it, the opportunity we have. And so we want to love on. We can't do all the state prisons, but we're going to do a few of them. And so these are some of the projects that you can see at Serve Day. Love to have you a part of that. And so if you haven't yet, grab your T-shirt on the way out. Jump into a project. It's going to be an awesome Saturday. We're going to be here at 8.30 a.m. that morning. 
We're going to have breakfast. It's going to be a great day. But hey, in light of the fireworks that we had this past Wednesday, and I know we're jumping into Serve Day this Saturday, I really want to talk a little bit about one of the core values of our church. We always say this, we're, we're here to know God, to find freedom, but that third one is to make a difference. So today I want to know, I want to talk about what is it like for us to actually be salt and light in our community? What does it look like for us to even share our faith? Because I think sometimes there's not a lot of topics on how do I share my faith? But I think it's important for all of us to grasp, and Jesus said this before he ascended into heaven. He said this to everyone, not just to pastors, not just to leaders, not just to people that maybe work at a church. He said, everyone, go in the world and tell the good news to every person that you encounter, right? It says, go and give them some good news. Share that with everyone. And I want you to know, this is a church that is on mission. And this is why we do a lot of the things that we do. In fact, this word go, I love how it's translated. But really, in the original language, there's this participle ending to it that actually means not just like a go now, go do it. It actually means while you're going. So while you're living your life, while you're doing the day-to-day things that you're doing, while you're in your workplaces, whatever Wherever the places God has placed you while you're going, it says, go into the earth, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to let people know about the mission that I've put on your life. And I want, I want you to know, if you've ever lost anything, I know that I've lost stuff in my life where I've misplaced things. Whenever I lost something, you know, I get a little anxious, a little, little worried, but I, what I don't do is I don't start taking an inventory of the things that I do have, right? Like, you've ever been in, like, a grocery store somewhere, and, and your child goes missing? That ever happened to you? Come on. Sometimes that happens, right? And you're like, oh, my gosh. You start freaking out. Or, or for me in my house, sometimes it's the keys. I can lose my keys, and, and I can sometimes even have my, own, my hands right there in my pocket, right? And I'll tell you what I don't do if I've misplaced a child, right, at a grocery store. If I, I don't say, hey, I got 75% of my kids, so I'm still doing okay, right? And if it's my keys, I'm like, you know what? I'm good because I still have my wallet, so I'm okay, Right? The truth is this, is we get distracted by the things that we lose. We're so obsessed about them. We think about them. We can't move on to the next thing until we find them. And I want you to know today, God is distracted by that which is lost. He is. That's big on his heart. In fact, it even says in the New Testament that he would leave the 99 and search for the one. And I want you to know that that is big on his heart. And I'm so thankful for that because that's a story of my own life that God would leave the 99 and search for the one. And I'll tell you this, this is something that he would love for us to participate in. In fact, I love how it said in this scripture here, 2 Corinthians, we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal. He's making it through us. And I love that word ambassador because it means that we actually represent Jesus himself. In fact, some of the... The only times people are going to see Jesus in the world is they're going to see it through you and through me. And I believe it says this actually in Ephesians chapter 3 that the whole wisdom of God is revealed through his church, through his plan. And, and he doesn't have a plan B. Listen, we are it. We are the plan that God has so that people can see who Jesus is. And I want you to know we're living in a time and an age now where people are more ready to be evangelized than ever before. Let me tell you, how many know that the world needs hope more than ever before right now, amen? That there's so much uncertainty, so many things right now that, that can leave people hopeless, but we have something within us that is the hope of the world, and we get to be his ambassadors. And you know, I think a lot of times churches do try to do this, and there's these two different types of extremes. There's this one extreme sometimes in churches that are like, hey, let's be as secular as we can just so we can attract and draw people to us. Sometimes even the mantra for them is if we can't beat them, then we might as well join them. Sometimes they let the Bible fit into culture. But listen, you have to be different if you're going to make a difference on this earth. 
And here's what I want you to know today, and I think it's important to just stay, say this. You don't have to compromise the truth of God's word in order to make a difference. Like, you can still stand on what the word says. You can still allow the gospel to preach for itself, the word to preach for itself. But there's another extreme out there that is very dogmatic and very rude and unattractive. And I think you have these two polarized experiences, these extremes about how do you share your faith. And in the middle of it all, I think Jesus had a different approach. And so today I want to talk, talk about how can we stand for truth in a way that attracts people to Jesus, but in a way that doesn't compromise the truth. Because I believe it today, the word of God, the truth of who he is will set people free. So we don't want to hold back from that. In fact, Colossians says it like this. It says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. I love that. Be wise. Make the most of every single opportunity that you have. Pretty much what Paul's saying is, listen, don't be loud. Be wise. He says, don't be silent. You got to speak up. And you ready for this one? He says, don't even try just to be right. Our goal isn't about being right. It's about being effective. So don't be wise. Or don't, be, don't be right. Be wise. And when you're with people, you're a representation of who Jesus is. And so watch what it says here as it continues on. It says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone when they come to you. Pretty much Paul's saying here, he's saying this, listen, I want your conversations to taste good. Like I want what you offer to the world around you to be palatable. Give them something that wants them to have more. I want to break it down today in a few simple ways on how we can live this out and show a simple understanding of what it looks like to be wise, what it looks like to give a response. In fact, this would be kind of our jumping scripture that we would use today. Peter says this, always be ready. Listen, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have inside of you. And I love this phrase, to everyone who asks, because it's an important phrase for us to understand. It's making this assumption that people are going to ask you a question about why you are the way that you are. It means you live your life in such a way that people see something and they're like, man, there's something different about this person. They walk with a different kind of disposition. They walk with a different kind of hope in their life. And so what will happen is when you live this way, when the hope within you, when the light within you is shining out, people are going to say, what is different about you? And so today what we want to do is want to equip you with a way. How can we do this? How can we feel prepared? How can we give an answer? How can we share the faith that is within us today. So come on, let's pray. We're going to pray and invite God's presence into all that we do. So Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are here with us, Father. We don't want to take another step without your presence. God, we don't want to move forward without you. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would know, God, that you have given them something that this world so desperately needs, and that's the person of Jesus himself, an encounter with you, God. I pray that your presence would permeate all that we talk about, God, that you would speak through your word. We love you, and we ask this in the strong name of Jesus, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. Listen, if we're going to be people who reach lost people, the people that Jesus came for and cared so much about, we got to do it the way that Jesus did it. So here's a few things in the ways that I think that Jesus did it. Here's the first thing that Jesus would always do. He loved to connect with people. I'll tell you, he loves to connect with us. He's a relational God. And the truth is this, is you got to connect before you correct. Come on. You got to learn to connect before we correct, a lot of times we want to jump to correction. A lot of times we want to jump to pointing things out. We want to jump to the problem. But the truth is, is people are not going to receive it unless you connect with them. And Jesus was one of the greatest connectors. And what was so genius about his life is that he never compromised the truth. 
But people, sinners, people loved to be around him. They were always at his feet, and it wasn't because he was saying, okay, you can live the life that you want to live. No, he would tell them, listen, you got to leave your sinful life, and you got to live. He would encourage them. He would talk straightforward with them. And the reason why I think he did this with people, I think he would connect with people, and I think this is true for us, is people don't care how much you know and what you know, but they care that you care for them. And this is true for us as believers. We got to connect with people first. In fact, this is why we do so many incredible events here and why we're doing Serve Day this Saturday. In fact, while we're doing fireworks, in fact, I don't know if you're all at fireworks. I got a picture right here of fireworks. Come on, who was at fireworks this past Wednesday? Fireworks at the chapel. It was amazing. It was incredible. I mean, I couldn't believe the turnout that we had. I think we had the best fireworks in town. Come on, I believe that today. In fact, I even heard Brandon Mill was talking about it. They're like, man, their fireworks are so much better than our fireworks. And you know, that's right, it was. Somebody just said that. And you know, that's not why we do it, but I mean, we, it was incredible fireworks. But listen, on, on our property, we have, this is the second time we've done it. We didn't know if anybody was going to show up the day after 4th of July. It was our first Wednesday. We had between 32 and, um, yes, 32 and 30, did I say that right? 3,200 and 3,700 people here. That's right. 3,200, 3,700, sorry. Three services. I'm ready to go. But we packed this place out. And I, I mean, it was unreal. We invited some of our own friends and neighbors. And it was so cool to see people come on the property and be like, man, this is a church? Like, really? Like, I, like, I didn't know. Why are you doing this? Like, why, why are we offering this? And, you know, and it created this great opportunity for us to just connect with people. Like, we didn't come on the property and, like, give them flyers and say, hey, we want to make sure that you attend church. And here's the latest summer schedule. We didn't do any of that. And here's the reason why. Because we want to do what Jesus did. And that is just make a connection with people. Created opportunity for our community to come to know us. You know, in fact, this past week, actually about two weeks ago, I was at the DMV, okay? You always got to love when a story starts with, I was at the DMV. It is like modern day purgatory, okay? <laughs> you walk into the DMV and I feel like I wanted to give an altar call in there. Everybody was so depressed in that room. Nobody wants to talk to each other and everyone's mad. And I feel like if you lock eyes with anybody, you're going to get yourself in a fight. I don't know what it is, but like... Everybody's on edge at the DMV, you know? So I'm sitting there, and I'm telling you, it was like an hour and 45 minutes, two hours. I'm still sitting there, and this, this young kid actually comes in, and he, and he sees my, my shirt, says the chapel on it. And he's like, man, I've heard about the chapel. I'm like, really? He goes, you go to the chapel? I'm like, yeah, I go to the chapel, you know? <laughs> and he's like, man, I heard about Motion Conference, and I heard about you guys are doing fireworks. I was like, have you ever been to the chapel? He's like, no, I've never been to the chapel. I'm like, man, well, you need to come. He's like, well, I'm thinking about going to the conference. I had a friend that went last year, and I love to come. I mean, I'm hearing so many good things about the chapel. And I'll tell you this, that made me just so proud as somebody who works at the chapel. Because I really want to be known for the things that we're for, and I really want to be known that we're a place that wants to connect with the community around us. Because this is what Jesus did. He loved to connect with people. In fact, this was the mission that Jesus had when he came to earth. It says it in Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to do what? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus basically defines his mission as here for just one reason. I'm not here for the healthy. I'm here for the sick. I'm here for the people that are lost. I'm going to leave the 99 and search for the one. In fact, there's a scripture at the end of this amazing story. This is where this, this ends. But this, this passage starts in the story of Zacchaeus. And if you know the story of Zacchaeus, it starts in verse 1. I want to tell you it today. It's this moment where Jesus and Zacchaeus have this amazing moment. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. 
He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. In fact, I think Luke puts, in, puts this in there so we get an idea that this was a chief tax collector. And what that meant in that time was that he was someone who was a thief, a cheater, someone who was a deceitful politician. And so this is someone that not many people liked at all. And it says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. I love that they added that in there. Like, they kind of left that out. But they're like, just want to let you know, he's a wee little man, right? But I love this here. Listen, he wanted to see who Jesus was. He didn't want to know what Jesus knew. He wasn't looking to debate with Jesus. He wasn't looking to say, you know what, let's really unpack this together. He actually wanted to see who Jesus was. And I want us to know today, people don't want to know what you know. They want to see who you are. And church, I'll tell you, this is so important for us to carry this over our lives because a lot of times we get so caught up in debates. And the truth of the matter is this. People want to see who you are and they want to know that you care. And they want to build a bridge and a connection with you. And then we'll have opportunities to share the word with them. Here's what it says here. It says, so he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Come on, my Sunday school people in the room. Since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, you thief. You robber. How could you? We need to talk about your lifestyle. No, no. He said this to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He says, I must stay at your house today. I love this so much. He says, I want to stay at your house today. He says, pretty much, Zacchaeus, you know what I want to do? I want to come into your space, and I want to have lunch with you today. And this is what happens. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, all the religious people, Pharisaical people, And they said, he has gone to be the guest of sinners. Listen, I want you to know today, I believe that Zacchaeus came down from that tree gladly to meet Jesus because Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house today and I want to have lunch with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to do life with you. And pretty much he has lunch with them. And in that lunch, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, he says, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man is a son of Abraham as well. Listen, what happened at that lunch? Something remarkable happened at the lunch. You know, I know Luke wasn't there, so we really don't know. But here is this tax collector who is bent on living his life the way that he wants to live his life. He's bent on robbing people. He's bent on being a cheat, being a thief. This is the life that he's been living. He's living off of riches. And all of a sudden, he has this lunch experience, this encounter with Jesus, and everything changes. How many know that we have an encounter with Jesus? Everything begins to change. Amen? This face-to-face encounter was so powerful. And at the end of this passage, you see Jesus say, this is why I've come. You know, Jesus took his time. He's traveling with his entourage, right, of disciples and all these people that want to see him. And he decided to stop for a minute for a man that was up in the tree. And he says this, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Let me tell you, this is big on the heart of God. The Son of Man came to go to lunch with people. He came to connect before he corrected. And I don't know what happened to that lunch, but I'll tell you this. Whenever we add care, we add value, we build relationships, anytime we love people, it opens up this door. It creates this bridge over this chasm, and it gives us an opportunity to share our life with other people. But listen, not only did Jesus connect with people, here's what else he did. He learned and knew the importance of sharing our story with other people. 
And I want you to know in this room right now, every single one of you, you have a story to share. I have a story to share of what God has done in my life. And this is an ongoing story of life change, an ongoing story of the ways that God has met us in moments that we never knew we would be met before. You all have a story to share. And I think the best evangelism tip I can give you is don't go around telling people how much they need to change right off the bat. Like there's no verse that says go around, figure out what's wrong with people, highlight it for them, and then let them know, right? In fact, it says this in Matthew. Jesus says this. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, it says, let your light shine. For all my VBS people in the room, this was our theme, wasn't it? Let your light shine. And I'll tell you, this isn't just something for kids. This is something for all of us. Man, we're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. We have an opportunity to show our good works, to live a life in front of the world. Listen, let me tell you, we are on display for the communities that we do life in. Whether we like that or not, we have a platform and an opportunity to live life in such a way that people are like, what is different about you? Like, what is it? I I, want to know. I need to know. What is it that's happening in your life? Because I want more of it. And when your light shines, people will say, man, there is something that I want. In fact, this is why God gave us the Holy Spirit himself. In fact, Acts says this, when the Holy Spirit came on them, it says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere you go. This is why we have the Holy Spirit in our life. It's so that we can be a testimony and a witness to what God has done. But I think a lot of times, this whole idea of let's go witnessing, right, or or witnessing has gotten a little bit of a bad rap, Or maybe has like a different understanding. But I would equate it to this. The word witness is like if you go into a courtroom, you have several several players right in the courtroom. You have a judge. You got a prosecutor. You got a defender in the courtroom. And then you also have this witness. And I think what God is saying to us about witnessing, about being a witness, is listen, you're not asked to be a judge. So don't judge people. You're not asked to be a prosecutor. So don't cross-examine and prosecute people. And it even says you're not asked to be to defend anything. In fact, the word of God will defend itself and it will never return void. Amen? So we can preach the word and let the word proclaim itself. Here's what you're asked to do. You're asked to share your side of the story. Like that's what you're asked to do as a witness. You're asked to tell your side of the story. This is how I see it. And this is, I think, something that people know. They need to know the difference that Jesus has made in our life. And a lot of times we can hold on to those things or a lot of times we cannot be so excited about those things because we're a little nervous about how to live that way. But I want you to know this. The more that we influence the world around us, the more the hope within us begins to grow. And I'll tell you this. People are attracted to hope. In fact, I wrote it down like this today. Whoever has the most hope has the most influence. And I believe that today, there is a void of hope. We're living in times where, man, for whatever reason, people are attracted to hopelessness. They're always obsessing about the latest and greatest thing that's negative on the news, or, or this is coming, or that is coming. I mean, even the weather sometimes for people, like, we could be obsessed about the weather, like, it's going to rain today, right? Can you believe it's going to storm, or it didn't storm? But I'll tell you this, when you walk around with a disposition of hope, it influences the world around you in a way like nothing else could ever do. Because we're living in a time and an age where people are desperately desiring hope. They want their life to be infused with hope. And Jesus has given us all a testimony and a story. In fact, I think you should be able to tell your story and your testimony. Even do it real quick, like in a two-minute version of it. 
For instance, my story is this, is that I grew up in a, in a church my whole life, in a religious institution, and my whole entire life, I was sitting in chairs and pews just like we are today, right? And for whatever reason, I just equated church with an institution. I equated church and my Christianity with just going to church, and that's really what, what my relationship with Christianity was. And even as a kid raised in the church, I didn't catch it until later on in my life that I realized that church isn't about an institution or a building, but it's about a person. His name is Jesus. And I'll tell you, when I had a relationship with Jesus, even though I was raised in a religious setting, it changed everything about my life. And today, when I share my testimony and I share my story to people, man, I don't talk about church necessarily. I don't talk about, man, all these great things at the chapel. The first thing I do is I tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And I'll tell you this, when you share your story with people, it begins to change their understanding of what the church is even about, of what Christianity is even about. Because I think we're living in a day and age where it's gotten a bad rap. Well, there's this bad picture of what church is. That's why when people are here on our property for fireworks, they're like, man, this is a church? Like, you guys are okay to have fun around here? Like, what's up with that? You know, I love that about our church. We do love to have fun. This is why we do after-service elements that are so much fun, and we're going to make serve day fun, and we do all the things that we do to have fun, but we don't, we don't do it just to have fun. We do it because we know people are coming to church heavy. They're coming to church weighed down. They're coming to church with so many different things, and what we want to do is we want to infuse hope. We want to infuse life into our church. In fact, this is one of the reasons why I love our lead pastor, Pastor Brandon. He is, a, he is a leader that loves to be joyful. He's a leader that loves to infuse just humor. Come on, how many know he's a funny pastor too? Come on. He's, I can sit here and I'm like, man, I can listen to him go. If you haven't been to a 430 service, by the time he gets to the 430 service at nighttime, he lets it rip. But I appreciate that about our church because I want people to want to come to church. That's why we got people sitting in the lobby right now. Come on, shout out to our lobby people right there. I know we're building a building, and it's coming, but you're still sitting in the lobby. And I'm telling you, we want church to be a place that people want to come to. In fact, this is number three. We want to invite them to a place where they can experience God. And I want you to hear this today. A place where they can have a face-to-face encounter with God. Listen, church isn't something you attend. It's something you encounter. And Jesus isn't a religion. He is a person. He's not someone to be understood. He is someone to be encountered He's someone that if you ever have a face-to-face with him, you'll never be the same again. And I think there's a lot of skeptics out there. I think there's a lot of doubts out there. I think there's a lot of things that have happened. I think even the church, in a lot of ways, has really given the church a bad rap because we're all imperfect people. But here's the truth. Moving forward, we have an opportunity to be salt and light on this earth and to season our conversations so that people are like, man, I want more of that. In fact, if I think about in the Bible, I think about Paul, one of the greatest forerunners of the gospel, right? Wrote in the majority of the New Testament. Paul was the biggest and greatest skeptic. I mean, Paul was killing Christians. He thought that Christianity was a cult, and you couldn't convince him otherwise. He was a religious leader, and he, he knew the Torah. He knew the Old Testament. I mean, even if you try to sit down and have a debate with him or a conversation, you'd probably end up in jail or you'd be murdered because this guy was just on fire against Christianity. But what happened to him? On the road to Damascus one day, he has his face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and everything changes. And this is what happens when we invite people to a place where they can experience God. And that's why I love what we get to do every single week is, listen, I, I, I so enjoy the messages we have here. I so enjoy the worship, all the great things that we do. But I'll tell you this right now. The thing that I love the most and the thing that we major on and stand upon is the presence and the power of God in this house. 
and we can't do anything without it. In fact, this is what Paul says. He says the same things. He says, you remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius, he says, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. He says, I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, he said, if you want to know the truth. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or by anyone else. And this is the truth. And this word spirit right here really gives us a picture of the, in the New Testament, the word is pneuma, which actually means the breath of God, the wind of God. And so when people come to church or when people are in an environment where they can experience God, it's so refreshing to them. And I want you to know this is what we chase after as a church. We chase after the person, the presence, and the spirit of God because we know that I can do something that nothing else could ever do. And people will come to know Jesus, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. And this is what Paul said. And maybe you're here today and you're trying to figure it all out. Maybe you're like, man, I'm new to church myself. And the truth is this, no pressure on you at all. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give anything. We just want you to experience God, to experience something that will change your life forever. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about church and about who God is. And I think there's been a bad rap out there. And I think about even the fact that even Jesus, when he was walking this earth, he had to deal with some of those misconceptions. And in Mark, it actually has this moment where Jesus is with his disciples and he asks them, who do people say that I am? I mean, here is Jesus himself. He's in the flesh with the disciples and he's questioning them. Okay, who, who do people say I am? And this is what they say. They reply, well, some say John the Baptist, which I think is strange because he was beheaded a few chapters earlier. So maybe they believed in reincarnation, right? Maybe he's back. And so others say maybe it's Elijah, but Elijah was taken up to heaven and well, maybe he's back here on earth. And others say, well, maybe you're a teacher or you're a prophet. And here's what Jesus says to them. He says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him and he said, you are the Christ. And the word Christ means the anointed one. It means you carry something that is so different. You carry power with you. And really, if people can experience the power and the spirit of God, if they can experience the Christ, it's going to change so many things about their life. But we live in a world right now where there's many misconceptions. And maybe even in the room today, you've had some misunderstandings. Maybe you've been raised in church like I was, but you never realized what a personal relationship with Jesus looked like. Maybe you had this, this view of him or looking at him through a lens that I think many other people see. Here's a few ways that I think people see Jesus at times. God, the relationship with God, is they see him as a locked gate. So they come to the gate, right? And they can look in and they can see him, but they can't really interact with him. Right? Because why? They've messed up so bad. They've done so many things in their life that how could God ever want to have a relationship with me? God would never want to talk to me. God can't really be reached. In fact, the myth that I think people feel about this is that God can't be reached. That is a God that's unreachable. But I've got good news for us today. He's not a locked gate. He can be reached. In fact, he's a God that is near and here right now. In fact, Acts says it like this. It says, he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He is near. 
You know, oftentimes I've said this about the Lord, but I really believe that, that God is like, he's a motion sensitive God. That every time you take a step to him, he's like that spotlight on the garage, right? Or at the house. Like as soon as you make a moment of, of any kind of movement, boom, the light turns on. James says that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And so God is this motion sensitive God that he's so close. He's like the father that's patiently awaiting the return of his son and daughter. He's standing on the porch day in and day out. I'm waiting. Like I'm waiting for the return of my son and daughter. I don't care what you're carrying. I don't care what you have. I'm waiting for you to come and to be here. In fact, another way that I think people sometimes see God in a negative way is through a pile of luggage. That if I can just get rid of all my baggage in my life, you don't know what I've done. I have to offload some things before I can come to church. Maybe you've been there before. I remember inviting a friend to church once and he's like, man, you don't want me to come to church. And I was like, why not? He goes, because if I walk through those doors, I'm gonna light up on fire, you know? And it's sad, but a lot of times, for whatever reason, people have this view of God. And I think the myth that goes with this is that God doesn't want me. Man, that couldn't be further from the truth. When we have conversations with people, we need to make sure they know, man, God loved you so much that he gave his only son. In fact, I love the scripture in Romans 8 that says this, listen, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Going to church? While we were still perfect? While we were still all put together? No, no, it says when we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even before the foundations of the world was set, it said Christ was crucified. Before there was ever a problem, God had a solution and his name was Jesus. So God, he's not a locked gate. I'll tell you this right now. He's a God that's with us. He's not a pile of luggage. And a lot of times people also see him through this lens, that he's this endless ladder that when you get there, if you get in, you're going to have to climb this ladder over and over again. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to sign up for this, sign up for that. You have to pray more. You have to do all these things. And here's the myth that goes with that is that God is going to require so much from me. So I don't want to come to church because if I come to church, I know you guys are going to get me involved in all these different things and do all this different stuff. And I know as a church that we're always doing that, and that's just because we know that there's so much more that God has in store for us. But let me tell you what Jesus says in John. This is what he says is required. Somebody asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered simply, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that's simply all that God requires of us, is that we would believe. Yeah, we do things like serve day, yeah, we do things like First Wednesday. You can sign up for a small group. You can come to Growth Track. You can do all those things. But I'll tell you this right now. There's a lot of church guilt that people carry sometimes because they're not doing enough or I should do this or I should do that. Like, I want to drop that right now. And I want to remind you and let you know that whatever you do or you don't do in church does not change the love that God has for you. God loves you no matter what. Nothing at all could ever separate you from the love of God. And so any guilt or any shame that you feel, if you can't get involved, you aren't involved, I want you to know right now that needs to be dropped. That, that's from the enemy. What God requires of us is that we put our trust in him, we put our hope in him, we put our faith in him. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we need to accomplish around here. Come on, I, I don't know about you, but I don't cut my lawn because I want my wife to like me more. I cut my lawn because the grass just grew high. And around here, there's a lot of things that need to be done in our city. There's a lot of things that are being done in our region. This is why we do serve day. This is why we have opportunities to serve. But I want you to know this right now. There's not an endless ladder for you to climb. If anything, when we do these things, they enhance our life. They give us opportunities to share our faith. And I think when we share our faith to people, here's the last thing. 
we gotta let them know that Jesus is simply this. He is a free gift. There's nothing you need to do to earn it. Nothing you could have ever done to deserve it. Man, you're saved by grace through faith and it's a gift from God. And let me tell you, it is one of those gifts, not like on Christmas or birthday when you're like expecting it. He's the kind of gift that comes out of nowhere. You ever get those gifts like out of nowhere? You're like, man, what is this for? I don't deserve this. Jesus is that gift for us. And when we're sharing our faith, when we're being a light to the community, when we're signing up for survey, listen, I want you to leave excited knowing that God has placed you in the realms of the people that you do life with and the places that you live so that you can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So people can come to encounter not a church, not an institution, but the person of Jesus. And they'll understand and recognize that he is the true picture of God and that he is the gift for us all. And so today, even as we close and even as we get ready to transition, and I know you're going to go out, maybe you go to some restaurants, maybe you're going to go hang out with some family, recognize and know that when you leave this place, you're carrying something with you that the world so desperately needs. And it's this free gift that comes from the Father, and he is such a good gift giver. Would you stand with me as we close today? I want to pray over us, and I want to leave you with this one thought. And I'll tell you this. As a pastor on the team here, I am so proud of this church. I'm so thankful for this church. We're not a perfect church by any means, but I'll tell you this. We are a church that loves people. We are a church that loves each other. We're a church that isn't perfect, that's always growing. But I had a mentor once say something to me before I came a pastor. He says, Joel, make sure that you're always pastoring at a church. That if one day the church disappeared, the community would actually know about it. And I want you to know, if the chapel just up and disappeared one day, the community wouldn't know about it. They'd be like, where's that church? Where's all those bumper stickers? Even the guys who cut me off in traffic, right? Where's those chapel people? Where's the fireworks? Where's all the things they're doing? What's all that noise? All, the, all, all that stuff that happens on that property, all those people that are talking to me about Jesus, the community would know one day if we weren't here. And I'll tell you this right now, you're a church that's on mission. So when we leave today, know that God has placed you in the places, the families, the workplaces for a reason, and you get to be the Jesus, maybe the only Jesus that someone else would ever experience. Come on, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that we get to be on mission with you. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we get to partner with the Great Commission, that while we're going, while we're living our life, while we're doing the things that we're doing, God, not only are we going to honor you, but Father, we're going to see people come to know you, Jesus. We're going to see people set free from addictions, God. We're going to see people have hope in their life like they've never had before. God, we're going to see families reinstated, Father. We're going to see foundations being built under marriages that are faulty right now. God, I pray that we would know we walk with this hope, this light. God, we walk with this understanding within us, Father, that there is something this world so desperately needs but can only come from you, Jesus. And I pray that everyone in this room as they leave today, that Father, they would know that they are on mission, God, that they have purpose and they're here to make a difference, Jesus. Come on, let's worship and sing, Jesus. You are worthy, God. You are worthy of all.